listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 350. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we begin our Scandinavian journey with the Norwegian Netflix fantasy series Ragnarok. Always exciting to, you know, break out something new, and, uh, you know, we'll talk in a few minutes about whether you liked it. I'll just ask you a quick question. Did you go beyond the first episode? I, I did not, no. Good, good. Ne- neither did I. Uh, God, I've got so much other stuff I'm trying to yeah. <laughs> keep track of and keep up on. And, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, go on too much about this. And, and you know, you and I can talk about it off air. Uh, I was listening to one podcast and, and they were making the point that everywhere you go, every TV station you turn on, it's coronavirus this, coronavirus that. And, and, and of course, that's understandable. Right. And I think you and I just unspokenly if that's a word i mean if assholeness can be a word which sure it most which certainly it, is I, I believe now it is it, it absolutely is you know we, we just kind of decided nah you know we're talking about tv and everybody knows what's going on but then yeah. they were saying it, it it's kind of interesting to hear how people are dealing with it on a day-to-day basis so you know maybe sometime in the future we'll talk about what our typical day is like with uh you know this but not tonight Okay. Yeah. It wouldn't be very interesting. Well, but you know, (laughs) and and I think to a certain extent, that's what's interesting because I think probably a lot of people feel like, well, I'm not doing anything and I'm just sitting at home. And and of course, anytime I hear somebody complain that they have cabin fever, I want to slap them because you've got these medical workers that are putting their lives in danger every day. The grocery store clerks. Yeah, are yeah. really on the front line. So you know, don't, don't tell me you got cabin fever. Oh, I, absolutely. I I am not at all complaining. Um, you know, does it have its challenges? Yes, but like I said, and not only in addition to the people you mentioned who absolutely are out there every day on the front lines, but also there's people who lost their jobs entirely. Absolutely, um, and we are extremely fortunate that both my wife and I are able to a stay employed and to you know b still receive a paycheck and c be able to work from home and we are very lucky for that and so and i and i realize that so i and not any point am i going to complain about my situation um when there's obviously people out there whose situation is way more dire than mine yeah, and not to mention the fact that we both have Netflix, we've got HBO, right. we've got cable, direct, you, you know, so that we've got plenty that a lot of people don't have. So, uh, yeah, so we're thankful. We know you guys are thankful. And, uh, you know, uh, just to shift gears real quickly, if you want to contact us with some episode feedback, questions for us, uh, email is sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave a voicemail. There's the leave voicemail tab, or you can just record your own clip the way Fred does each week and send it as an attachment. Consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Um, I just want to throw the one piece of news out at everybody, and you and I talked a little bit about this uh, during the week, that we're going to cover the pilot episode of the forthcoming TNT Network science fiction series Snowpiercer, that premieres on Sunday, May 17th. Now, I suspect a lot of you guys have seen the movie. And I know for you, Jennifer Connelly, dude. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see how they 
deal with it in a series format but of course this is not the first time we've we've seen a movie turned into a tv series and uh certainly we're in the throes of westworld and they've certainly done a a, i don't know i I think just a remarkable job of taking that movie yeah and and turning it into something else entirely which is just phenomenal but uh but I, I think with um, Westworld, be, be, well, especially since there's so much chronological distance between the movie and the TV show, I don't think people were like going into saying, well, this better be good because the movies, I love that movie. This better be just like the movie. But I think loads of people are going to become the Snowpiercer saying, this better be as good as the movie. I love the movie. You know, because, and the movie's only, I don't know, not even 10 years old, right? So, yeah, um, no. you know, I, I feel like they're under, they're going to be a lot under a lot of uh, genre world scrutiny, I guess we would say. Yeah. And they should be. So sure. I, I feel good about it from the little bit that I've seen in terms of trailers and, and recaps. So some of you may be saying, whoa, wait a minute, May 17th, isn't that in the middle of Ragnarok? And yes, it is. So we're going to take a brief break from Ragnarok and then we'll come back and and finish it off. By that time, hopefully, fingers crossed, Dark will be on the horizon. And and they still haven't announced, at least that I've seen, a firm date. I mean, we're all assuming it's going to be that day in June, but we shall see. We shall see. All right. Uh, what are you watching this week that you want to talk about? Okay. Well, last week I talked about Picard, uh, and then I realized, you know, it's been a while that I actually watched the four movies for the, the, they made with the Next Generation cast. So I went back and watched all four of the movies. Oh. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was good. But I, I realized either A, I don't know if I actually saw all four of them, before and I know I saw the first one, Star Trek, Trek Generations. I remember going to see that in the movie theater with my wife. But the others, like as I'm watching them, like you know, there's not a lot really familiar to me about this movie. And the most recent one is 18 years old, so you know some of that could be chalked into not having seen the movie in over 20 years, but. I don't know. It didn't really spark a lot of uh, remembrances for me. So I'm like, did I not see the others? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I didn't. So, but it was it was cool. And uh, as we talked about last week, I'm a big fan of Next Generation and the Next Gen cast. So, you know, the, the I would probably say the the first one was the best of the four um, generations, and that actually was the one that had uh, William Shatner in it as well. Um, but the others were solid. Yeah, you know, really, it's they were just longer episodes of Next Generation. Is really what they were. Um, it was it's still tough to see them in a cinematic manner. Uh, obviously, production values are a little better, but still mostly the same. But even that, that's that for me, that was great. Like just to have like you know an extended episode of Next Generation that was really good. I like that. Um, another thing I didn't realize is that in the fourth movie, Nemesis, Tom Hardy is the bad guy. And at first I'm like, God, that guy looks familiar. And then I'm like, holy crap, that's Tom Hardy when he was like 25 years old, man. So it was cool. 
Good stuff. All right. now, now I've seen Nemesis in Generations, but it's it's certainly been a while, and and I think those are certainly movies. And I think this is a point that if you you didn't come right out and say it, but I think it was in the subtext that they can stand on their own, even if you weren't a huge fan of the series, which right. I've said many times. I just it wasn't on my radar, and I've never really gotten back into it. So yeah, all right, cool. I think they can stand on their own as well. Like you, you don't have to have seen the previous one to get the next one, you know, unlike yeah. what they did with the original cast star Wars movie, star, sorry, star Trek movies where, um, you know, after wrath of Khan really, they kind of one led into the other. Cool. All right. The only thing I want to mention for me, and I'm certainly digging, uh, that's not even a strong enough word, but Westworld. Now I'm, I'm not totally up to date. I haven't seen the episode that aired last night. Okay. We record on Monday. Uh, um, through episode eight of my rewatch in season one. So, uh, probably won't get any more of that done tonight, but, uh, by next week I should be well into season two, but I did finish the eight episode Hulu series devs, which I've okay. mentioned before, uh, by Alex Garland, who made Ex Machina. And if you guys haven't seen devs and you have Hulu or you have other means, check it out. Uh, the, <laughs> the ending will just blow your mind. I have no idea exactly what it means, which, okay. you know, <laughs> kind of makes sense if you've seen Ex Machina, but, uh, right. Yeah. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of buzz on devs. Like, uh, every time I get a, uh, I look at the article, like the, the best series you should be watching right now. It's that's in that discussion. So, yeah, and it's only eight episodes, so yeah, definitely check it out when you get time. And like Nick Offerman is the lead, right? Oh yeah, yeah, or one of. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's 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 the best. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's get to the topic of this week's podcast, which is the Norwegian Netflix sci-fi series Ragnarok. This is episode one, season one, titled "The New Boy," which. Once we get into the discussion proper, we'll certainly have multiple levels of meaning for that title. Mm -hmm. uh, written by Adam Price, who wrote the series Ride Upon the Storm, which I mentioned, I think, one time in What We're Watching. It was about a, a family who the, the males have all been priests generation after generation after generation. Uh, directed by, and, and this is going to be a challenge for us, and, and I was thinking about Fred as I was preparing for this podcast and what he challenged us with dark quit saying the actor who plays, uh, whoever get use their name. And, and, and of course, Fred was right. And we, we did that at the time. German names seem easy compared to some of the <laughs> Norwegian names that we have to deal with. But anyway, directed by Mogens Hagedorn, who directed a series called Rita, which I know I mentioned in my What We're Watching. And I know Fred's wife really liked that series. I don't know if he said he ever watched it or not, but neither is sci-fi. But this one dropped on Netflix January 31st, 2026 episodes second Norwegian series for Netflix. It's already been renewed for a second season. Uh, what'd you think? I liked it um, overall. Now, obviously, they, it is heavy on cliches in this first one. I, I, I was thinking before they could have called it new boy slash old story, right? Because sure. there's so much of this that of the typical new kid in the high school story. 
Um, but yet they, they put enough of a twist on it that I'm pretty interested. Yeah. I mean, that, there's so many mysteries that are in play right uh, right from the start. Right. Well, you know, when you see a guy take his clothes off, get naked, uh, sorry, uh, then his eyes turn orange and he jumps a bazillion feet to kill a ram and then rip its heart out. You know, well, not a ram. I guess it was a deer. You don't really see that all the time in television. So that was definitely. But in addition to that, the cinematography for this is just out of this world. Oh, my gosh. Some of the camera shots, I was like, holy crap, that is awesome. So, you know, and and I'm not going to pan Impulse, but I'm just saying one thing about Impulse. And obviously, they did this purposefully was to make it seem closed and everything like claustrophobic for Henry, right? So there's a lot of interior shots and small rooms and things like that. The colors are very dark and muted and and obviously it's purposefully done. I think they they did a good job of achieving the effect with that. Um, But this is the opposite. Lots of wide open shots of glaciers and fjords and mountainsides and, and just these gorgeous exterior shots that you know i i really like that so um so i'm into this show good good yeah i felt the same way and punctuated with this small town in in which uh, you know our characters live and i i guess the fear i have is that they're going to play a bit heavy-handed with the environmental climate change angle and while on the one hand it seems as if it may tie into Ragnarok and, and bringing Ragnarok to life. Uh, they also run the risk of turning people off. So we'll see how that goes. But they, right from the start, let us know this is not Marvel Ragnarok. And, and I really like that. Marvel Ragnarok, it's got its place. You know, you mentioned last time Thor Ragnarok, great film really enjoyed it and and i enjoy most of the marvel movies but it's not that and and i really like that but it reminds us that it means the end of the world battle between the gods and the giants and that it's brought on by natural disasters or at least natural disasters are that first step so are they using climate change in that regard that climate change is what's going to bring on Ragnarok. And if that's the case, okay, makes sense in this context. Mm -hmm. We'll see, but really a narratively dense first episode. And I was thinking back to your criticisms of impulse and wondering how they're going to address all these different storylines in only six episodes. Now, maybe they don't plan to, they, I don't know when they knew they had a second season, but there's a lot that they throw at us in this first episode. Yeah, and and there there's a lot of setup. As you said, there's a lot of setup, and um, we'll see. I mean, it's good that we already know that they have a season two, so you know it's not like we'll be you know you know caught standing at the end of this with uh, with nothing more to go on. But uh, but yeah, I, I think they did a pretty fair job here of setting up. You know what? Again, that's that's like what you want to do. We've talked about this before. What do you want to do in a series premiere, right? In the in season one, episode one, right? You want to introduce 
your main characters, right? You want to get the audience on the side of, of your hero or heroine. Um, you want to establish time and place and the basic conflicts, right? And you, uh, that probably is going to, that in and of itself will take up probably your average 45-minute episode. So, you know, you don't always necessarily, you just want, you know, you, and you want to give the audience enough that they want to go to episode two. Yeah, and they certainly do that. And, and of course, that was one of our fears, I guess maybe is the correct word, that, well, geez, if this isn't good, and we'd already made the decision, well, if it's not good, we'll just move on to something else. <laughs> but dump you know, it. so Exactly. So they set up the series. We, we get this opening sequence, a mother, her two sons, Lawrence and Magna. And, and it, just like Dark, different characters seem to be pronouncing his name differently some of them pronounced the g more prominently than others i'm probably just going to go with magna because it's easier for me as an yeah. english speaker so but, our american english accents are probably yeah. best for us so. yeah so they've moved to etta for her job and apparently they've lived here before when the boys were younger they're going to live in their grandmother's house and, and of course one of the questions we have to ask is well why did they leave their father died at age 32 and there seems to be some mystery surrounding that. So is that why they moved away? I mean, she's coming back for a job at the local industry, but you know, right away we, we've got, uh, um, you know, some mystery as sure. if, well, and where's the grandmother too? Yeah. I assume she's dead, but we don't know that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, as if that's not mystery enough right away they're driving through the town and this dude in a wheelchair just cuts across the road and i believe stops. that's an amigo dave an amigo yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> and magna gets out of the car to assist the man i i think right away and this is something that i didn't think about when i watched it the first time because Right away, you know, he goes over to help, you know, ask the guy if he you know, needs to be pushed or whatever. And, and the older gentleman says, do you know what a strange town this is? Well, of course he doesn't. And what mm -hmm. a thing to say. And then some woman comes out, curlers in her hair. Like, I don't know if that was a beauty parlor she comes out of or whatever. <laughs> Runs her hand across his face and, and we see his eyes kind of like sparkle or whatever. And it's clear we've seen enough shows like that. Well, she's done something to him. But I guess what I picked up the second time, does she single him out because he offers to help? I mean, is this why the woman chooses him to seemingly give him power? But Fred brings up something in his feedback that I didn't think about. Did he have it all along and does she simply release it? Or does she give it to him? Yeah, I, I hesitate to go into that because it, it was in the, the trailer. And the the only reason that I'm not upset with Fred about this is because I did happen to catch. the. I guess it's like, you know how in Netflix, it, when you just pull up Ragnarok and it shows you the big picture and it starts playing the trailer for you. Sure. Um, and so that line that Fred mentions is like the first line of the trailer. So. Um, so yeah, I guess we can address it probably just by going to Netflix and pulling up Ragnarok. You heard the line where the lady says, you know, basically 
that I didn't give you t- this to you. It was I just brought it out of you or something. Oh, like okay, that. okay. Um, so I'll I'll allow that to pass this time, but uh, <laughs> you know, but right away though, if it's called Ragnarok, obviously we're thinking the old Norse myths, right? Sure. And the first thing he sees, the first person he encounters is a guy with one eye, like Odin, right? Oh, right. So that's, so, I mean, that's like the first thing that is this guy, Odin? I know now I'm thinking like the almighty Johnsons and that everyone in this town is a God. And we certainly have seen some things in here that Magna has some connection to Thor, right? Uh, I mean, he chucks the hell out of that hammer later on. So, 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 you know, kind of like our, my my Norse mythology, which is not good. Um, radar is on, but what I can piece together from uh, Vikings and the Marvel movies, I'll, I'll try to work with here. Well, now I, I wouldn't have known that old man's name, but it did come up in the closed captioning, and it is W O T A N Wotan. I guess. Uh, so, so I don't know if that's something that. Yeah, well, it sort of sounds like Odin, but sure. Um, but then the question is, did she know he was going to be out there, Magna? That is, has she been waiting for him? Has there been some sort of a prophecy that he would be returning to the town? Of course, we don't know. But once we've got that set up, that this family's returned, it's the just the three of them, and right away this weird thing happens. Clearly, there's this transformation uh, that Magna has gone through. And, you know, you mentioned some cliches, and and certainly there are some. And and, uh, clearly, the makers of this show have not been listening to our podcast because right away we get some high school scenes. (laughs) First day at the new school. And (laughs) I'm listening to Fred's feedback after I'd watched it once. And I already had in my notes Lawrence equals asshole. Yes. And and of course Fred has a tremendous well. amount of assholeness. All right. <laughs> but uh so he sits with the attractive girl that the teacher intended Magna to sit next to, but he gets stuck with the outcast in the back. All right, fine, whatever. Uh they begin a friendship and and we learn that, you know, she's this environmentalist and and we learn that the town's industry apparently pollutes and okay, let's see where this goes but i I don't like it right away but you know (laughs) well but again like all the the cliches here the the first day the that teacher isn't really the clueless teacher but later on we do have like the clueless teacher who you know writes something on the board that calls on magnus to basically read what he already wrote on the board which is why you have to call on the student to read what you just wrote on the board like like what's that about and of course magnus is dyslexic and he can't read it um, and then he calls them new boys. So we got the clueless teacher. We got the the rich kids full of assholeness uh, there. We have the cool outcast chick who immediately befriends the new kid. We got the pretty girl who the main rich kid is also into, but now our outcast hero new kid also is into. So there's just a lot of stuff here. In addition to the obvious spider-man origin story call outs here like not needing glasses anymore that's classic right from the uh the first toby Maguire movie him ripping the uh door handle off because of his unknown strength so 
know, we get, you know, the Magna as Peter Parker uh, big time in this episode too. Okay, good. I, I love that you brought that up and, and especially the door handle because I didn't look at it in those terms, but I, I think you're probably right. I thought they were trying to establish that the car is kind of a piece of crap. I mean, it, it stalls out in the road and there is that too, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but, but I like, you know, like what you said, because then we get that scene when the two of them leave school, she finds that her bike has been vandalized. The, the, the rim is bent and he bends it back into shape. And he's obviously got this new strength. He had also, it seemed when they had, he had that meeting with the principal and his mom to just you know, give the principal the rundown on his uh, academic challenges. I guess he was predicting it was going to rain and tells her you need to close the window. All of a sudden it closes telekinetically. Yeah. I, I guess that's what we're supposed to. Uh, yeah, that was weird. Um, especially because we're not sure. Did he do that or did the principal do that or like did his mom, you know, or did it just happen? Well, obviously it didn't just happen, but, you know. Right. But but I'm glad you mentioned the principal because, you know, we'll talk about her and her husband and their children in in a few minutes. But we've got the other teacher that's talking briefly about their town being the location of the original Ragnarok and and that their town – I guess was the last holdout of uh, believing the last in place the, to convert to Christianity, right? The the, yeah. the last group to honor the old gods. So you know they're throwing that out there, and and okay, cool. I mean, we know it's a fantasy fantasy story. Um, Mom obviously lived in this town. I mean, the kids were young. Like the one brother, Lard right. says, I don't even remember Dad. I was too young. But the mom. You know, and the principal clearly know each other from the past, and she makes that comment that, you know, she looks no more than thirty. I mean, she she's at least fifty. <laughs> so we get that idea that okay, is there something going on with her that she's not aging normally? Right. So um, uh, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and yeah, father and, and, also. Yeah, Fred. Um does talk about that as well um so so yeah what is the deal with this you know we it's it's not un, like and fred you also mentioned this there are some crossovers to to dark here which again is that purposely you know or not i don't know but we see a lot of stuff like you know small town uh the adults all kind of know each other like th- that generation um and then we have the younger generation that now all know each other. So, and, and that's, and we've talked about that a lot in Dark, how that that can be very emblematic of small town life, right? Where you have multiple generations that have all grown up together and then they have kids there and then their kids grow up together and people don't move away from the town. So you just get, you know, multiple generations in the whole town where everyone knows each other, the parents all know each other, the grandparents, so on and so forth. So, um, but yeah, there, there's definitely something about Ran here. I mean, Besides, you know, she's fairly attractive, but that, that whole family, though, you know, like there, there's something about that whole family. Obviously, was it Vidar? There's definitely something about him as he, you know, shows his proclivity for, um, you know, raw 
reindeer hearts. So right, and that's a scene that that comes at me from the series Discovery of Witches. That I don't think you watched that, but uh, the Matthew Good is the lead character in that, and he's got a similar scene, although he's a a vampire, as I recall, in that, and he doesn't feast on blood of humans. He he tries to go with the animal, uh, but. Was the scene when he comes home and finds his mom, I don't know what she's putting up a fence or something. I mean, too obvious that we're supposed to think, oh, dude is Thor, man. Yeah. Thor's <laughs> hammer. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> too obvious or kind of cool? Um, a little both. I think they might be pulling a, um, you know, a switcheroo on us to make us you know, think that this kid's Thor and then that's not the deal at all. But um but if he does, I'm I'm cool with that. And if he's not, I'm cool with that as well. Yeah, I mean, he so. touches the handle; something affects him, and and I mean, you have well, it's to. It's got a rune living. on it too, right? So. Uh, yes, right. And, and, and again, that's something that comes up when he's trying to extend the length of his bed, and his brother. It's like, ah, so you're into Nazis now? It's like, dude, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> whatever. But then he goes out with Isolde, who is the outcast girl, the environmentalist. She's got a YouTube channel. I also found it interesting, although it makes perfect sense, that when we see that little clip of her YouTube channel, she's speaking English. Now, that doesn't surprise me because we know that Europeans, as opposed to Americans, are generally fluent in a second language. And um, I, I guess she's speaking English on her channel so that it can reach, you know, I guess more people. Yeah, that's, but, right. that's something that I didn't because I was I had the dubbed uh, version up, so um, it, it didn't dawn on me that she was not like because she'd been speaking English before. So oh, I got you, I got you. <laughs> okay, but you know the the town of Edda itself. You know, we already mentioned it was the last town to accept Christianity. Ragnarok took place here, and they mentioned that the gods represent law and order and the giants chaos. So then I'm wondering, all right, well, are we supposed to see the environmentalists as the gods and climate change as the giants or those that cause climate change, like the polluters, the industry in this town? I mean, something's going on here, obviously. And whether they're just going to use that as a vehicle to bring about Ragnarok and and not, you know, keep hitting us over the head. Because right now, Isolde was the main proponent of climate change and it doesn't appear as if she survived episode one. Yeah, that's a, I feel like if, um, if, if she were going to die, that they would have, like made it clear. Plus I can't think that they would bring in a character like you sold and yeah. And then just, I mean, you know, kill her off before the season. But then again, she, uh, you know, flew right into a power line and that's not usually something you survive very much. No. And, and of course I think we're all thinking that somehow, um, Magna's going to touch her and, you know, jolt her back to life. But of course that doesn't happen. You know, do you get the idea though, that his mom has some sort of a past with Vidar, the principal's husband who also runs the plant? Yeah, um, absolutely. Because he says, um, 
Yeah, Magnus, like, hey, did you know? He asked her, "Did you did you know each other?" She's just like, "Mm-hmm." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, there there definitely seems to be a a past, some kind of past that has come between them, and I think it's Fred was speculating. I don't know if he said it outright, but um, certainly the two boys look really nothing alike at all. The two brothers and um, Lawrence is very dark-haired, and Magnus very fair-haired. Um, and then you look at Vidar, also has dark hair, so, you know, there might be some suspicions there as far as the parenthood of of uh, the boys. Okay, and, and I definitely like that as a little plot detail because it, it could really grow into something. But then we get that scene at his house. I- immediately he walks in, of course, his wife says, what, no kiss for me? And I'm like, dude, put the computer down. It'll be there. Get over, check your wife out. But he wants to look something up about, uh, you know, Magna from the accident, you know, however many years ago, it looks like maybe 10 years ago, something like that. So, you know, like you were just speculating, does he know something about the two boys? Uh, their father died tragically at age 32. Was it suspicious or, you know, something else? I mean, anytime you've got one of these small town industries and we've got the environmental angle, it seems like somebody always suspiciously turns up dead. Right. Well, and Isolde says the same thing to her father. Like, you know, like, you know, why did mom die, basically? So her accusation there implicitly is saying that um, there's some kind of pollution that caused her mother's cancer. Right. Now, the thing that really did grab me, I, I guess the reason he's able to afford such a nice car is that the house only has one bathroom. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell indeed. <laughs> okay. You know, the brother and sister in the bathroom together Okay, I mean, I kind of get it because well, they're not doing anything other than I think was he combing his hair or shaving or something. I mean, it wasn't you know right, but still. And and then father comes. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? I yeah. guess maybe again, that was, maybe that's a Scandinavian thing. <laughs> you know. I, I I would I would hazard a guess that that is just as weird and uncomfortable in Norway as it is in the United States too. Okay. Uh, but, to to go into a bathroom, especially when your daughter's in there, you just take a piss in front of her, like. But, but she my, doesn't oh say, God, "Dad." Ignored, right? I know. She, she just looks I, like ah, that shit happens all the time. Right, right. But you mentioned earlier, you know, this clear division is set up between the rich kids and the working class kids, and then of course the teacher throws out that project about the individual versus authority. Yeah, again, I think it can certainly work into the storyline because the authority is certainly util industries. I'm sure they employ most of the village, and you've got the individual trying to do his or her own thing. And in this case, you know, represented by Isolde, but you know, they certainly set that up. But he and Isolde go to climb that mountain, and you know, we, we learn a lot about her. She's trying to document a lot of the climate change and the impact it has on the melting ice and, and things like that. But she also reveals a desire to leave the town. And, and I thought it was really cool that 
she just kind of offhandedly mentions, well, I'll come back and see you. I mean, we're friends, aren't we? And, and it's almost his reaction like, friend? Friend? What's, I've what's heard that? about those. Yeah. yeah. And and, yeah. and I just, I, I really like that. I mean, yeah, okay, is it a cliche that the two outcast kids come together? Okay, whatever. But the way they interacted with each other, I, I just thought was very comfortable. I really liked that he, he goes to have dinner. Um, you know, we know he has dyslexia, whether he has anything else or not, we don't really know. He, he, he has that little thing that he you know, has in his yeah. Right. That he breaks the one and mom's got a spare in her purse, <laughs> apparently. But, uh, you know, I really do like that. But um, we get those ominous camera shots of the mountain that seem to imply that something or someone resides there or that there's something about this mountain. And, and of course, you know, we, we talked a minute ago, they've made the point that he's improved physically. Uh, you mentioned the glasses. He doesn't need those any longer. He's got the physical strength to bend the wheel back. She mentions, dude, you're in shape for somebody that doesn't play sports. And I'm thinking like, what? You're carrying this huge backpack and he's yeah. got nothing. That <laughs> might have something to do with why, yeah, yeah. why you're more tired than he is. But I'll let that one go for now. <laughs> but gets a text from his asshole brother. Something's wrong with their mother. He runs home and, of course... There's nothing wrong with her. Right. But we get that. So this race. is where, actually, if I could cut in here real quick, because yeah. if we're assigning like characters from North mythology, Norse mythology to each of these uh, characters, um, Lawrence seems to definitely be Loki. You know, like this is the second time in this episode that he pulls a trick or a prank on his brother. Before Magna asks him, if, can you look over what I wrote? And Lawrence completely changes it around. You know, it's like, what is wrong with you, man? Like, so, um, so, so yeah, I, I would. I'm thinking, you know, we got so far. We got, uh, you know, Magna might be Thor. Lawrence most definitely Loki, right? And you know, the first reaction when uh, Magna asks him to look it over, he seems, oh yeah, fine, I, I'd be happy to. And at least he didn't write a piece of crap. He wrote something that was, I guess, far beyond what anybody in their group, although, you know, both of the young women seem to be pretty bright from, uh, you know, the first meetings we have with them. But we get that great scene where Vidar is driving up the mountain as she's going into the cave he gets out of his car, you know, you mentioned, removes his clothes, eyes, uh, I don't know if those are goats or what they are, but he hears that voice in Old Norse, and, and again, that it says that in the closed yeah, caption. Yeah, okay, that's what I was wondering, yeah, yeah, yeah. His eyes turn yellow, leaps, kills the goat, tears its heart out, walks away holding it, and, and of course, later we see him uh, munching on it, which I think then we have to consider that... There is something about this lack of aging that's going on with him and his yeah, wife. Nothing thing. like reindeer heart that does the body good, man. <laughs> right. And presumably the, the children as well. But, you know, as she starts, you know, walking into that cave, 
comes upon a door labeled danger, go away or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and again, Fred mentions the many dark associations and, you know, you, you said whether or not they were deliberately trying to do that. And, and I guess I wonder, maybe that's just the Scandinavian European sensibility for a lot of their shows that take place in these small villages where, as you said, that the people know each other generation after generation. But yeah, once we came to the door, then, okay, yeah, very, very dark-like. But Yeah, absolutely. But again, still, but it, it does seem to set up a conflict between Magna and Vidar. So who is Vidar, you know, within the context of mythology, probably too early to tell at this point. Yeah, I did some poking around and Thor's greatest enemy is Jormungand, which is this huge serpent that encircles Midgard. So maybe that. Okay. I didn't read deeply enough into it to actually come up with anything to back that up. I just kind of Googled Thor's greatest enemy. Okay. But if you watch the movies, you think Loki is, right? Like in the in the comic books and everything. But that's not the case, actually. Yeah. My wife loves Loki, by the way, although I don't know if she'd like this Loki, but still. Now, who is this old woman? Any thoughts on that? I mean, uh, she also works at the grocery store. And again, if her first appearance wasn't weird enough, beware the spring equinox. It's dangerous on the mountain. You might well be needed, Magna. Now, Dangerous on the Mountain, I mean, is that a connection with what happens to Isolde? I mean, that doesn't take place on the mountain, but she's paragliding from the mountain and right. hits the power lines. And, and I'm thinking Which like- Which we would assume she would know not yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> this is not the first time she's paraglided. Right. So we're not sure exactly what's all about. I mean, did somebody- act against her uh, perhaps she got going much faster than she should have been going through no fault of her own was she unable or to was turn she it? not conscious well or was she not and that was the other thing that struck me as we're looking at her body on the ground as uh vidar's uh you know attempting a modified version of cpr the <laughs> very feeble version as, is as that the, the, the blood the blood from her nose and around her mouth just didn't seem to coincide with what i would expect her injuries to be given right. what we saw and i'm again i'm not a doctor so what do i know but <laughs> uh, you know i wonder if anybody picked up on that and whether that has anything else to do but uh I mean, I guess that's it for her. I mean, she certainly seems to be dead. And, and uh, you know, on the one hand, you might, you know, argue that his CPR techniques need some uh, retooling, and that's fine. But he, but he does get on the phone to call the ambulance pretty darn quickly, even though he probably knows she's already dead. So I'll, I'll be surprised if we see her in episode two. Yeah, and I, that's that's sad because obviously she um, really endeared herself to me. Well, not obviously, but I mean, she really endeared herself to me in this first episode. Um, I thought she was probably one of the most sympathetic characters. Um, certainly, you'd say maybe next to Magna, but the two of them together. 
certainly two most sympathetic characters. So if she's killed off already, man, that's that's really sad. Well, it is, and again, I wonder whether there's going to be any reaction to the fact that she comes out, she's openly a lesbian, and ironically has a crush on Saxa, who is the attractive blonde daughter of the principal, and Edar, just the exact person you would think she would not have a crush on uh, and, and of course magna says the right thing you're way too good for her and whether magna's got a little crush on isolda is probably a little too early to tell i i think certainly just the fact that he has a friend already and and mom is shocked that you know it's 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 a girl well right. it, it's just well, good you got a friend so yeah. let's not go yeah. too far but well, he, he definitely has, you know, Google eyes for the other girl. I don't think I ever caught her name, but oh, the, the blonde um, girl he's in the, oh, the Gree. group with. Gree. Yeah. Is her name. G-R-Y. Yeah. yeah. So he, you know, seems to be kind of casting his eyes longingly her way. And of course, as I said before, in, in, in typical high school TV show cliche, um, the rich a-hole kid also likes that same girl so they're kind of competing for the the girl who is beautiful but accessible yes exactly so we're left with a lot of questions most of which we've raised already during the course of the discussion i mean like who is the old woman who's the man in the wheelchair who or what is vidar and and again you're clearly on the right track with trying to associate these different characters with characters from Norse mythology and and some seem pretty obvious at this point and some remain to be revealed who or what has magna become but who are the gods and who are the giants here right so you know so if magna becomes thor then who will he and his fellow gods be fighting who are the giants yeah um, or is magna is Magda the giant? Okay. Right. Is, are are the good guys the people who are on the side of chaos? Okay. And the bad guys maybe are the gods who try to rule over everyone else. And the hammer's a red herring. The hammer would be a big red herring then. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I'm liking that as well. That that would be cool. Um, although I gotta say, when he throws it into the night air, yeah, and. And we yeah. get the lightning bolts and the thunder. Yeah, yeah there is that. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Um, is there something special about the town? Um, is there something special about the mountain? But then there's that suspicion about the deaths of Magna's father and Isolde's mother, whether they're connected or not remains to be seen. I'm guessing they are. I'm guessing it's something to do with the secret that Vidar and his family are holding. And I guess I started wondering whether or not the son and daughter are aware of what's going on with their parents. I mean, we don't know what's going on with mom yet. We haven't seen anything you know, weird about her yet, but I think that's probably coming. Right. Except she so. can't, even as beautiful as she is, she can't get her husband to kiss her when he comes home. So yeah. that to me is a red flag. 
Yeah. So uh, anything else you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? Ooh, I think we pretty much got everything I have. Okay. Um, you know, before we hear Fred's feedback, because we always forget, um, letter grade for this episode? Um, I, I, I think... I'm gonna give the you know B you want to say it. Come on. I, I want to say I want to say A or A minus, but I'm not going there just yet. Especially as a first episode, I'm gonna give it the B plus. It's it's very A ish in a lot of ways. The only thing I would kind of grade it down for is that there's so much of this cliche stereotype high school um, stuff going on that I, I you know I, I didn't see enough of them actually playing with those conventions to make it make me excuse that they went with a very conventional kind of plot for the first uh for the first one i don't want to give them room to grow so i'm not going to go a right out the bat okay well i'm still going to go a minus because i thought it, it does everything a good pilot should do but to piggyback on what you were saying about the the depiction of the high school which if you guys have been listening to this podcast for any length of time you know we are uh, quick to jump on that and and i think rightly so because if you're putting it in there as part of the storyline then i think we have to assume it's important i don't think our high school is all that unique yes as we've said it's it's pretty high socioeconomically on the scale but you know the scene where that one kid sees Magna and Lartz's mother in the hallway. Oh, mommy comes to pick you up. It's, you know, <laughs> what would probably happen is kids would say, oh, dude, I saw your mom here today. Yeah, she's great. Right? I yeah. mean, that's, this yeah. kids seem to get excited when one of their parents shows up at school for whatever reason. <laughs> well, mostly to bring them their lunch that they left there. But, well, yeah. that's a good, that's a good point too. But but yeah, that, and that's what I'm saying. But but if you're in a high school TV show, then you have to have these kids who are just obnoxious to the new kid. When, like, like you said, in reality, kids usually bend over backwards to be nice to new kids. You know, sure, of course, right. And and even the way they reacted to Isolta uh, when the teacher sends him to go back and sit with her, and and kids are snickering. You know, no, I'm sorry. For the yeah. most part, they would not do that, especially kids that are in an upper-level class like that. Right. So, anyway, that's a small nitpick, I guess, in the uh, broad yeah, scope with of you. things. I agree. But, uh, okay. All right. You want to hear what Fred's got for us this week? Sure. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the Norwegian series Ragnarok, Season 1, Episode 1. Let's start with some associations. When we see the main character, Magna, it, of course, gives me a little bit a town's feeling, just coming from Impulse. And another Impulse vibe I get is from Loritz, Magna's brother. He didn't reach the level of assholeness, to use that word again, Wayne, of Clay in Impulse, but he is possibly going that way. Teasing his brother who is in a social weaker position anyhow. But you see that more often in bullies that they just pick out the weakest ones. Well, with what we see here and what Magna possibly can do, I don't know if he is the weaker one. And furthermore, when we see him sitting in his new room, there 
more or less under the roof. It gave me quite a feeling of dark and reminded me a little bit of Jonas's room. Also, of course, the little Norwegian town is a reminder of Winden in Germany. Another dark association is, of course, the door that Isolde discovers there under the mountain. And when I saw the trailer, I think there are some barrels behind it. So that's also a dark-like association. And then we see these upper-class kids, Saxa and Fjord, brother and sister. And there is another dark impression that they did the typecasting quite well, because I think Saxa does look like her mother Ran, and Fjord does look like Fidar his creepy father. I really wonder if this Ren is also involved in the magical stuff of her husband, because when Magne and his mother go to the school to talk to the headmaster, the head teacher, which is this Ren, and they go out, and Magne's mother says, how does she do it? She looks like 35, although she should be 50 or something like that. So is there also magic involved in giving her a younger appearance there? This theme of age is also discussed by Saxa and Fjord in the bathroom. So is this whole family another age than they seem to be? This father, this Vidor, gives me a little bit a Loki-like feeling from the Marvel Universe. The name Vidor means, by the way, silent god quiet god. Well, if we see him acting here, he doesn't look so quiet. I have a prediction. Since Magnus' mother is quite friendly with his Fedor at the gas station, and the typecasting of this series is okay in the sense of that Saxa looks like her mother and Fjord like his father, I find Loritz, Magnus' brother, looking quite different from him. So, since his mother is quite friendly with this Fidor, I predict that it is his half-brother and not his full brother, and he could be on the evil side of things. These two give me also a little bit of feeling of Alec and Julian in Continuum. Okay, sorry for all these associations, but they just pop up. I will go into the episode more from now on. The first thing I wondered if this touching by this old lady of Magna in the beginning gives him his powers. But from the trailer of this series, I think she evokes the powers that are in him anyhow. And since he is born in this region, bringing him back to this region is the thing that really makes his powers come out. And perhaps these kind of powers just come out during puberty just like in Henry in Impulse. So because they left this town, they couldn't uh, get out, and now they come back to that same town, suddenly his powers come uh, to the daylight. One nitpick also in the beginning is that, how did he know he had these powers? How, how did he get the idea to bend this cycle wheel of Isolde? He was quite amazed that he indeed could do it. So why start it? So he doesn't get only physical powers, but also psychological powers, that in some way he feels he has these powers. And another somewhat nitpick is that he is not very much startled 
by getting these powers. He is amazed by it, but not confused. And for a person like him, perhaps a little bit on the spectrum, I would expect a much stronger response. I have another nitpick. This Fedor is not really very good in CPR. When he comes to Magna and Isolde, who fell out of the sky with her paraglide parachute, he is doing cardial CPR just five, six times, and then he starts calling people. Well, where the story will go in the sense of mystical stuff and mythology, I have no idea. I really have to see more. So, looking forward to the next episode. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, well, listen, I I think we all can say Fred's feedbacks are always really good, but I I think this was really one of Fred's best. Even though it wasn't his longest, Mm -hmm. just so many good things and brevity is the soul of wit and some of which we've talked about during the course of the discussion you know he mentions vidar as possibly being low-key um so that's certainly something to to think about he mentions the facial characteristics of the families as something that maybe dark did set you know the the tone for shows in that part of the world that you know if you're going to have people in a family you better get actors that look like each other yeah so well, speaking of just a, a quick side note here the last episode of westworld that you saw when they have Sirach, his younger self yes how much did that guy look like the actor who plays Sirach? i'm like holy oh. crap oh it's- i started thinking like i wonder if it's his son in real life yeah i'm like oh my god they nailed this like they what if they got the people from dark to come in and do the casting for that because man they nailed that well if they didn't they should have but uh yeah <laughs> you know the other thing that that fred does bring up why does magna think that he could bend that wheel back into shape you know i mean he's the thing with his glasses Look, anybody that wears glasses, and and I know you wear them on and off, as do I, that we see him take his glasses on, put them on, uh, take them off, put them on, and you take them off. It's like, whoa, you know, yeah. I, I can see better. So we get that. But why would he think, does he associate breaking the handle on the car window with added strength? I mean. Well, and then he, he said it's going to rain and it rained. Yeah. Dude, the kid, so, he's, seen, he's seen Spider-Man 1. He knows okay. what's going on. Okay. And then, and of course, as we said, he, he makes the prediction that perhaps that these guys are actually just half-brothers and that there's something going on with Vidar and their mom, uh, what the heck is her name? Um, oh, Turid. And, okay. you know, I mean, and, and that's the other thing. Uh, again, we'll make an attempt to use some of the actors' names, but generally speaking, we're probably never going to see these actors in anything else that we're going to watch. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and there's no context for using their names, but that's probably an excuse on my part to yeah. not have to. Well, I don't, I don't know if we do it. Like, I mean, you think about, we're talking about impulse, how often we do we actually use the actor or actress's names? Yeah, not a lot. Maddie yeah. Hassan, but beyond that, yeah. not a lot. Exactly. So it's not like we're being culturally 
insensitive. Insensitive, right? We, we, we this is just how we kind of roll. Uh, I do want to give make sure that that Fred gets credit because the whole thing about about uh, uh, Lawrence potentially being Vidar's son that is not something I thought until after I heard. Fred, you know, that, that's all Fred's thought. I I just I I picked that up from what he said. So I want to make sure. I think I credited him before with that, but I want to make sure I'm. Um, making uh, due diligence in, in referencing where my ideas are coming from here. So, but yeah, that was a good one. Right, no, I, cool. I don't think he's Loki, as I said, I, I, I think if anything, Lars, but I'm also, I think in, we could be looking at this the other way around and we find out that, uh, you know, the good guys here are actually the giants. So we'll see. Well, and that whole idea of the good guys turning out to be the bad guys and vice versa is very continuum like with liberate. And so if it's something along those lines, I'll certainly enjoy that quite a bit, but, uh, all right. Uh, you want to leave it there? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, I mean, just, you know, basically so far so good. Like we, we, we're going to go, we're going to do episode two. Um, there's definitely, I think, enough here to, to, to warrant talking about this. I, I enjoyed the, the show. Yeah, so did I. Good. All right, well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. That'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Ragnarok, Impulse, Dark, anything else going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you want to shoot us an email, it's sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can certainly record your clip and send it as an attachment. We'll be back next week to discuss the second episode of the Netflix fantasy series Ragnarok. But until then, you know, I had three sisters growing up and, you know, my mom and dad really just never let me play with them. They never really wanted me to play with them. I guess it's because whenever we played together, we always end with Barbie dolls with a silver spoon up their ass. <laughs>